Joshua. Before getting into chapter 7, let's read uh, 7 or 8 verses of chapter 6. So Joshua 6, we'll look, start in verse 20 and go through the end of the chapter. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men and women, young and old, ox and sheep and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives, and they left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city with fire and all that was within it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot. Her, father, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and his youngest. He shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. What a battle plan. March around the city, and it'll fall. <laughs> and Jericho's walls did fall, and they fell down flat. Isn't that something? They fell down flat, not in heaps, not in rubble, flat. <laughs> and they did this on the seventh lap on the seventh day when they marched around the city. The priests carried the Ark of the Covenant, and also they blew the trumpets of ram horns, and the people shouted on that last lap. And that day we see how God fought for Israel. You want God fighting for you, not against you. As a soldier... Wherever you were in that circle around Jericho, when the walls fell down flat, you were to go straightway into the city and you were to destroy everything in front of you. Men, women, animals, and after you've killed off all the inhabitants, you burned the city with fire. The only person that was spared was Rahab and her family. Now, there was a lot of booty in the city of Jericho, gold, silver, etc., and it was all to be put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. First fruits coming back to the Lord. In verse 26, Joshua pronounces a curse upon anyone that would rebuild Jericho. And it's interesting, God not only gives promises, he not only makes covenants of good towards us, 
every now and again he will say, cursed is the man who does in whatever he lays out. The person that was to rebuild Jericho's foundation, he would do so with the lives of his own children. That will happen. But when God declared to Abraham in Genesis uh, 12, 3, God said, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's speaking of Messiah to come. That was a great blessing for all of mankind through Abraham. A covenant, a promise, a good one. However, in 1 Kings chapter 16, there was a man named Hiel, and he did rebuild Jericho. But in the process, his oldest and his youngest son died. Just like God said, cursed is the man who rebuilds this city. So now let's look at Joshua chapter 7, and we'll read the first 12 verses. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took the of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent uh, men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there uh, before the people, but they fled from before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men, and they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebaron, I think, <laughs> and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth, and on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us, all oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. <laughs> Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they had become doomed 
to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. One man, Achan, has sinned. He has taken some of the forbidden, accursed things, the booty, the looting of Jericho, and in the eyes of the Lord, God's anger now burns against the entire camp of Israel because of one man's sin. God is angry. He's angry with the entire nation. But Joshua, he doesn't know that Achan has sinned, not yet. And he doesn't realize why God is angry towards them. Because Israel's just came off a great victory there at Jericho. Jericho, the fortified city, was taken in seven days. Their great walls, having fell down flat, collapsing, and Jericho became an easy prey for Israel. But now Ai. Joshua, he sends spies up to check it out, check out this little village, and they return. And they return and say, hey, Joshua, no need to send all the troops up to Ai. It's nothing to it. <laughs> Two or three thousand will be more than enough. That's man's wisdom. However, at Ai, they strike down 36 soldiers, 36 men of war, and they chase them down the road. 36 men die in the hearts of all of Israel, melt. Didn't take much to defeat them, did it? 36. Joshua goes into his repentant mode. Not only Joshua, all the elders, Joshua's got them all, and they're repenting. They're on their face before God, you know, in, ash, in sackcloth and ashes. And in verse 7, Joshua gathers his courage, and he now blames God for their defeat. Alas, Lord God, why have you brought us over this Jordan to give us into the hands of of our enemy. And Joshua continues, Hey, Lord, everybody, all the inhabitants of this promised land, all the people of Cana will hear of our defeat. And here's what's going to happen, God. Be careful when you instruct God in prayer. <laughs> God, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And that's the attitude of Joshua. We're going to be cut off. Israel, your people are going to be cut off, and our name's going to become nothing. But God, your reputation is on the line here. And we're not in, alone in this battle. You're in there with us. We're going to be annihilated, but you and your reputation are going to be shot. It's going to be of no value. So he says, alas, God, we're in trouble. Now, Joshua has quickly forgotten how faithful the Lord was just like two or three weeks ago. He has instructed Joshua how to cross the raging river that has been flooded. 
It's been estimated that river was flooding about a mile wide. God told him how to cross it, send the priest out in there, and he stopped the waters. God also instructed Joshua, hey, circumcise all the people. You need to be clean. You need to be dedicated to me before you go in. And then he tells them how to take the city of Jericho, march around the city. And then we come, after the victory at Jericho, we come to a little city, a little hamlet, a village named Ai. And the people think they've got things under control, and they probably reason that they don't want to bother God about such a little city, such a small village. Uh, and we'll take matters into our own hands here, God. And they are defeated soundly. Joshua, he has not consulted God. He listens to the advice of the two spies that went out to check out Ai. But he didn't seek God. And thus we have 36 men who died for no reason. 36 men who simply die because Joshua does not seek God. After these 36 men are killed, Joshua seems to find time to now seek God. He finds time to repent, lay face down, prostrate before God, and now Joshua waits on the Lord and his word. <clears throat> but Joshua, in his arrogance, he blames God for their defeat versus examining himself and the behavior of Israel. It's your fault, God, not ours. Now, we know of Achan's sin because we've read ahead, but now Joshua is about to know of Achan's sin, and Joshua will begin, will begin to understand. But first, there's a reckoning that goes on between God and Joshua. God has listened to Joshua snivel about how they're going to be cut off from the earth, and God has a word for Joshua. And that word is, get up. Joshua's in prayer. Get up. <laughs> Why are you lying on your face, Joshua? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed. And they've gone against what I have clearly forbidden. They... Not singular, Achan. They have taken some of the accursed things and have placed the stolen items among their own possessions. They is plural. That's not singular. It tells us that the sin of Achan was in the hearts of many of the people. They're all wanting to do what Achan did, Maybe they just don't have the courage. And because of this sin, Joshua, Israel cannot stand before their enemies 
Israel is doomed to destruction. And he says, God says, neither will I be with you anymore. That's it. Unless the accursed, speaking of Achan, be destroyed. Sounds harsh. But let's read the rest of the story. Verses 13 through 26. Verse 13, get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Straightforward, fairly blunt. So in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families, and the families which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought forth the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarites, and he brought the family of the Zarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to, to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in the tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took a Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughter, his oxen, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all of Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of the place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. In verse 13, Joshua hears the words again, get up, <laughs> get up, Joshua, get off of your face. And that's the second time God has told Joshua to do this. And Joshua I want you to bring all the tribes of Israel and have them come before you 
and I will show you who is guilty of sin. This is an open display of the gift of discernment, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and it's given to Joshua when he needed it by God. Now, can you imagine what went through the heart of Achan as he sees tribes and families being narrowed down and they're all pointing towards him. Verse 19, we hear Joshua say, My son, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And by the way, do not hide anything from me. Achan is called upon to confess. In today's world, we, a good defense attorney will ask his client, tell me the whole story. That attorney wants to know all the details where he can make a good defense. And then they'll ask their client after he's told them the whole story, now tell me all the stuff you left out. Because they know that we have a tendency to leave things out of our confessions. And likewise, Joshua tells Achan, don't hide anything from me. Achan comes clean. I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And Achan goes through his whole confession and he makes no excuses for his sin. That is refreshing. Achan declares, I coveted these things and my desires overcame me and I took them. To Achan's credit, he doesn't try to cover up or make excuses for his sin. Achan he is openly disgraced in front of the whole nation of Israel for his sin. Know this. Sin does not hide in a corner. Sin eventually becomes an open book. Achan sin affected an entire nation. Israel was about two and a half million strong. Achan's sin affected that two and a half million. Can you say Roe versus Wade, abortion? Do you think that affects us? It does. Can you say same-sex marriages? An affront to God. It affects us all. 36 families have had a prominent member of their household die because of Achan's sin. There were some good fathers in there. There were some good husbands in there. And they died because Achan sinned. Joshua, 
He's in true repentance before the Lord. And he's there not only for Achan's sin, but for his own guilt, his own behavior, his own actions. Have you ever been truly sorrowful for your sins and right in the middle of your repentance have God say to you, get up? <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> That's what God is saying to Achan. Or not Achan, Joshua. I don't want to hear it, man. There's sin in the camp. Deal with the sins. Then let's talk. God is telling Joshua, stop praying, stop repenting. Your prayer is only words to me, Joshua, for Israel has sinned. God telling Joshua to get up causes Joshua to say, Speak, my Lord. <laughs> Your servant hears. Yeah, now you hear. <laughs> God finally has Joshua's attention. And here's the thing. We can become so prideful, just like Joshua, in our thinking and in our behavior, we can come to conclusions that are dead wrong. Joshua is praying, God, you're not being fair to us. You're not being fair. <clears throat> Understand, when you think God is not being fair to you, understand, realize God in his grace and in his mercies allows us to go through things, and he doesn't always give us the total picture that we're going through. But he will now give that picture to Joshua. Joshua accuses God of being unfair before he knew all the details about their sin being in the camp. And Achan's sin was a direct transgression, directly disobedient to God's command, a grievous sin. But Joshua, he's the leader of Israel, and he is not without spot or wrinkle. Achan and all his family, they're stoned to death, they're burned with fire, and then the anger of the Lord is turned away from Israel. But how about the camp, the tribe of Israel? How about the two and a half million? How about Joshua? They've all learned a very valuable lesson here by the sin of Achan. Never again will Joshua assume upon grace and goodness of God. You can't assume upon that. You can only appreciate it. Joshua learned by the sin of Achan the punishment that there is for direct disobedience to God. We hear Joshua being compassionate towards Achan. He calls him my son. My son. Now, Joshua could have called him dirty, rotten liar and thief, but he didn't. He called him my son. And we hear Joshua plead with Achan, come clean, make confession, Achan, and tell me and tell God what you have done. 
Whenever we sin, and by the way, we all do, (laughs) it's true repentance when you take fault and blame for your own sin and turn from it. Up until that, you're making excuses. Joshua made excuses. He's supposed to be repenting, but he's making excuses to God. God, it's your fault that we're in trouble here. That's not true repentance. We live in a society today that is so adept at making excuses for our own behavior. It's not my fault. It was the way I was raised. My mom and dad were bad examples. And I think it came to a kind of a head here a few months back. There was a, a young man from Texas, and while he was driving drunk, uh, four people were killed in a car crash that he caused. The family hires a a lawyer, and that lawyer, he used as a defense, affluence. As a defense. He said, this young man was so rich, so pampered in life by his parents that he did not know right from wrong. That was his defense. But the last I heard about this case, the mother was in jail for taking her son to Mexico, fleeing the authorities. I don't know what, (laughs) probably more has transpired, but I'm not aware of it. Joshua knows Achan has sinned. But Joshua also knows, hey, I'm not without blame here also, because I did not consult God. Joshua was guilty of not going before God, simply praying about the direction Israel should take towards this city of Ai. Joshua assumed that God is with Israel because they just experienced a great victory at Jericho. And now this little village, just a little hamlet of Ai, has brought the entire nation of Israel to a standstill. And God says, I'm not going to be with you unless you get rid of the accursed thing. In America today, as you know, the presidential candidates are vying for position. There's one candidate who vows to make America great again. I cannot agree with that. I cannot see any truth in that statement because America will not and does not repent. In the eyes of God, we are, if anything, a post-Christian society. And we cannot expect God to bless America while we live in 
sin. It's that point. It's that open. We can blame a lot of different things. But America is not a Christian nation anymore, in my humble opinion. Joshua and Israel, they were in mourning. They were in grief because of the defeat at Ai, because 36 men have died. Don't fall into the trap of seeking God's blessings while practicing sin. God will not give his blessings while you're practicing sin. It's that simple. We have seen great ministries suffer casualties when their leader has not taken time to seek God's direction. Great ministries. There is a great danger in assuming upon God's favor while there is sin going on in the camp. And you hear me say this all the time. As Christians, we are allowed to repent. We do not have to continue sinning. We're allowed to turn from it. That's what repentance is. God has given us that blessing. Repent and enjoy the times of blessings. A valuable lesson for Joshua and all of Israel. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, I would pray that in us, in us, your people, that you would create in us a clean heart, a heart that is open and bare before you, a heart that does not make excuses for our sins or shortcomings, a heart that seeks after you, Lord. And when we repent, let our repentance be a heartfelt, true turning away from sin, not one of making excuses, and for sure not a prayer where we blame you. Lord, we thank you for your son who went to the cross to free us from our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins, and we thank you for that. Let us be wise enough to at least repent before you and have the blood of Jesus cover our sins. That would be a wise thing for us to do. So, Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for the political leaders that are so anxious to get that nomination. Lord, we pray you would rise up for us a, a man or, or a woman, Lord, who seeks after you. Lord, you know what's best for us. But, Lord, most of all, we pray that America would repent of the sins that America is involved in. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing same-sex marriages. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing babies to be killed in their mother's womb. Lord, you're a gracious God, a forgiving God. 
but let us run under that shelter of your forgiveness. Cleanse us, Lord, from our evil ways. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.